Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Brothers and sisters, welcome. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here of Priests for Life. We are here at our time of prayer and scripture reading together each day. Bring other people on uh, as you can. Invite them, share the videos, leave your prayer requests if you wish in the comments. And let's once again in this new year put ourselves in the presence of the Lord and ask Him to let us hear His word. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we stand at the beginning of a new year, which again we dedicate and offer to you. Let everything we say and do and think and experience, plan and suffer and endure be for your glory. Let it bring us closer to you. Let it enable us to witness to your kingdom. Let it enable us to advance a culture of life. Let all things of this new year redound to your glory and our salvation. Lord, in that context, we repent again of our sins, confidently, confidently renewing our struggle against any kind of temptation and our intention to be victorious over those temptations. Bless us and bless our families and friends. Bless all our intentions as we pray to you now and as we delve into your word, which we ask you to help us understand more deeply, live more faithfully, and proclaim more effectively through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our reading is from the first letter of St. John. If you consider that God is righteous, you also know that everyone who acts in righteousness is begotten by Him. See what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God. Yet so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope based on Him makes himself pure as He is pure. Everyone who commits sin commits lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. You know that He was revealed to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or known him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, you see the Christmas tree behind me. We are still in the Christmas season up until the feast of the baptism of the Lord which uh, this year is on Monday, January 8th, the day after the Epiphany. Christmas season is a little bit shortened this way, just be- this year, just because of the way that the calendar falls. But we're still in the Christmas season, so let's celebrate it as such. And we'll be reading, as we did today for the next few days, from this first letter of John. And John hits on various key themes, but above all, he is stressing the reality of the Incarnation, of Christ, the reality that God became human, the reality that the Word, which is eternal and spiritual, became flesh and dwelt among us. 
And this is why, first of all, the church is using these readings during these days of the Christmas season. Now that we've celebrated the birth of Christ and we have celebrated the Feast of the Holy Family and the Feast of Mary, the Mother of God, the church now in these, in these days stands back, looks at the manger scene, and reflects on the meaning of the Incarnation as it is to shape our own lives, shape our spiritual lives. And we'll be leading up to the Feast of the Epiphany, where the word means revelation. We reflect on the question of what child is this? Who who is Jesus? And who is he for the world? Then uh, the Feast of the Baptism initiates his public ministry, on which then we will reflect and learn about and hear about throughout the liturgical year. But this first letter of St. John, emphasizing the reality of Jesus Christ in the flesh, is important for us to gain the deep meaning of Christmas, but it's also critical, it was critical to him at that time, it was written about a hundred years, around the year 100, a hundred years since the birth of Christ, and some Christians had begun to get, get weak or, or, or careless in their understanding of the faith or lose that fervor of the initial Christian generation. And we see in St. John an effort to come against certain false ideas, key among which was the idea that Jesus wasn't really in the flesh. Oh, yes, he was God. Oh, yes, he was spiritual. But there were those that felt like uh, it was too much to say that he actually was physical also, that God had a body, that God shed blood, that God suffered in the flesh, that God died in the flesh, that you look at the body of Christ and you see God. For some, this was too much. And so they started to divide Jesus. Oh, Jesus, the Spirit... But, you know, when Jesus was uh, walking around and teaching and preaching and touching the, the lepers and healing the sick and raising Lazarus, it was just appearance. It was, he just appeared to be human. And some of that led to an attitude towards everything physical being second tier, if you will, second class, not so important, or even evil. This notion of dualism goes by various names. God created spiritual things, but not physical things. Physical things were created by some other force or some, some demon, and therefore are evil. Well, if you start to get into that way of thinking, it's no longer Christian thinking. It's no longer thinking based on Christmas. It's no longer thinking in line with the incarnation. Material things are not evil. Certainly they can be used for evil and are used for evil. So are spiritual things. Everything, spiritual and physical, is and can be used for evil. People invoke their faith in order to justify abortion. Spiritual things can be used for evil. So it's not the division between spiritual and physical that shows the division between good and evil. It's the division between obedience and union with the will of God versus rebellion against God. Now John talks here about the world and that he is referring to those that are not in union with God, those who actually will justify going away from God. And he says here, you can't sin. Because if the idea is that things of the body are second class or don't matter, 
Well, you can reach the twisted conclusion that, well, then it doesn't matter what I do in my body. I can even sin and still be in union with God because my spirit is in union with God. John is correcting that error and he says, no, no, no. If you commit sin, you commit lawlessness. And if you commit sin, you have not seen him or known him. One of the problems in John's time was Gnosticism. Now, Gnosis, G-N, O-S-I-S is a Greek word for knowledge. We have this today in the church, by the way, this Gnostic idea. In other words, that there are some people who have this secret knowledge. They're superior to all the rest of us. And they're hyper-spiritual. And they know better. And John is saying, and, 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 and some of them fell into this notion that, well, therefore, what happens in the body doesn't matter. That remind you about something of today? It doesn't matter if the person you love has a male body or a female body. In fact, it doesn't even matter to them. What matters is the, is the, is the, is the non-material, the spiritual. Oh, well, when I think that I'm a man, it doesn't matter if I have a woman's body. If I think that I'm a woman, it doesn't matter that I have a man's body. It doesn't matter who I marry, who I have sexual relationships with. This is all heresy and error and sin. And John is coming directly against this. And he's saying, no, you can't sin and say that you know him. You can't misuse the sacred body that you are and say that you know God because you're claiming some kind of spiritual knowledge and you don't pay any heed or to the importance of what actually happens in the flesh. God pays heed to the flesh. He became flesh. It matters what is done in the human body and to the human body. God Almighty has his own human body and therefore has lifted up all human bodies into union with him. Now, that doesn't make us sinless, but it means that we have a path to eternal salvation. In Christ, the Word made flesh. When it comes to the battle over abortion, we often see this division between spirit and body in a very, very bad, corrupted way, where people will actually say or think that they are doing right by having an abortion, that they are helping themselves, helping others, or even some have the corrupted idea that they're even helping the baby. Because after all, they're saving the baby from a terrible life of suffering. You're not saving the baby, you're destroying the baby. You see the, 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 the subtle but powerful twisting of the mind when it sort of like just skips over the dismemberment of that baby, the tearing off of arms and legs, the crushing of skulls and, and the stopping of beating hearts and the pain inflicted on these children. It just all skips over all that. I say, oh, well, I'm saving the baby from a life of suffering. You're imposing suffering. Oh, I'm saving the baby from a terrible life. No, you're ending the life. If, if you can end the life at an early stage in order to prevent suffering later in life, what you think is going to be suffering, the fact of the matter is you can't predict the future, well, then how does that not justify killing the child at five years old 
when developments in his life at that point in time indicate that the rest of his life is going to be marred by terrible suffering. You, you've just justified killing anybody at any age to, to stop future suffering. And the idea here is, is very much rooted in the same thing that John was, was fighting here. People who are saying, well, what happens in the flesh, what happens to the flesh, doesn't matter that much or doesn't matter at all. As long as you've got the right intention, the right mind, the right knowledge, you're enlightened, you're a special class of super spiritual people that you don't get disturbed like, you know, those lower, those lower categories of people. They're all hyped up about abortion, sexuality, you know, what do they know? That's why we're reading the first letter of St. John. Great book of the Bible. To read, all of them are, of course, but this one applies in a particular way to Christmas and understanding its meaning and its effect on our lives, even on our public policy in our world today. We shall see him as he is, John writes here. Christmas shows us our destiny. We shall become like him, John says. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Christmas enabled us to see him in human form so that we could begin sharing his nature. And in the resurrection and in the life to come, we will see him in divine form as he is. And we shall be like him. This is the gift of Christmas. What we are... In our human nature, God takes on himself. What we will be is what God already is. This is the gift giving. This is the exchange of gifts. God sharing human nature, us sharing divine nature. And the destiny of the human person is therefore revealed by this holy feast that we've been celebrating. Let's proclaim it. Let's live it faithfully. Let's rejoice in it all the days of our life, looking forward to rejoicing in it forever. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the reality of the incarnation. We ask you to keep us from the errors that plagued Christians at the time that St. John wrote this letter and that plague us still in our day when we look down upon or don't give sufficient importance to the body, the things of the body, the things done to the body in particular, Lord, enable people to realize that destroying a body by abortion or any attack against the innocent is always wrong, is always contrary to you, to your will. It is contrary to the incarnation, it is contrary to Christmas, it is contrary to our, our call to be like you. Bless all our prayer intentions, Lord those that are in our hearts, those that have been expressed in the comments. Bless the leadership, those you call to leadership in the church and in the political realm. Lord, so many leaders are failing in their task. We, are, we thirst for leadership. Lord, we have a drought of good leadership. Bring better leadership to our nation and to our church. Bring, Lord God, courageous leaders who speak clearly, who understand accurately, the times we are in and who lead courageously. May we exercise courage, knowing what we need to do each day to advance your kingdom 
and to save our nation. We sum up all our prayers in these words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray to our Heavenly Mother. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, thank you, friends. Bring others in to our daily scripture reflections. We will talk with you again tomorrow. This is Father Dennis Wild, pastoral associate of Priests for Life. Been in the organization for 25 years, and it's marvelous because I want to tell you today about financial support for one of our most effective pro-life ministries in the world. Priests for Life has been leading the fight against abortion for decades. We are led by a strong and varied team of pro-life activists and experts in mobilizing churches, electing pro-life candidates, leading prayer efforts, publishing and broadcasting, healing the wounds of abortion, uniting pro-life leaders in strategy, meetings, defending life in the international arena. All of this, Priests for Life does not receive church funding or government grants. We rely on you for individual donations. We have very high evaluations among charities and top security on our donation site, prolifegift.org. You can go there for a one-time gift or to become a monthly donor. Or you can call us at 321-500-1000. That's 321-500-1000. God bless you. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.